let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening and welcome to the Football Babble. Week 2 is almost finished. Uh, on the Premier League anyway. Le- Leicester and West Ham are on the night as we're recording this. There's the four of us on the night. It's myself, Phil... Uh, Brenton, Cousin Mud, and Alvin Paddy, Steve. Oh, Steve has just joined. Just the full house. Hello, First Steve. The man himself. I heard what you were going to say about me. I, you know, I saw the script, so I thought I'd better join just in case. <laughs> oh, no, I would have sent it on the anyway, so you heard. Um, you know, the full house sent tonight to talk about so much went on in the world of football this, this weekend. There's obviously the Premier League action, which we're going to get into. Um, we want to chat a little bit about as well. What happened in France and Nice last night against Nice and Marseille. And unfortunately there was a couple of sad stories in football this weekend when, when two legends of the game, Terry McDermott and Dennis Law, announced that they're both suffering from dementia. So we'll maybe touch on a little bit of that and, and how you think maybe going forward footballers are going to have to look after themselves and different things. But so it's a full house and um, loads of stuff happened. Brenton will, and Johnny will start with you too if that's okay and look back on yesterday at, at, uh, at the Emirates, Johnny. apologies, Jonathan. Uh, Johnny, yes, we'll start with you. We'll get. We'll, I know you have a lot to get off your chest. Um, what did you make of the team selection yesterday, Johnny? Completely wrong from the minute go. Um, I really don't know why I didn't play three centre backs because Lukaku was always going to pull one centre back out of position, which he done brilliantly. You know, a few times yesterday. Um, which meant Kieran Tierney had to come out and cover because Mason Mount obviously was running through and left tons of room for Reese James to do whatever he wanted. I mean, when we can see this on the TV, I don't understand how the coach can't see this when he's there on the ground. It's, you know, as clear as day. Um, I felt like Chelsea didn't even get out of second gear. They didn't need to. You know, they kept Arsenal well. At arm's length, um, and were good value for the win. You know, the after two 0 you know, I knew, and even Chelsea knew the game was over, and they just needed to go through, you know, the motions and see it out, and they did that. Um, but it was just overall very poor from Arsenal. Um, I'm not taking, you know, we're missing, we're missing people that probably would have started yesterday, but that's, you know, pathetic to even try and use that as an excuse. The team weren't good enough. Um. Probably could have had a penalty, you know, me and Brandon said yesterday we've seen them given. Um, but like we just weren't good enough. The team setup was wrong. Um, I've seen some people today give Pablo Mari credit, saying he handled Lukaku very well. Well, I mean, Lukaku put him on his hoop for the first time. Who's that as man? <laughs> I mean, I can understand people trying to be positive, but like, catch a grip. Well, how can we be positive about that? We, you know, we were pathetic. 
we, we kind of touched on it last week saying Arsenal were spineless, and they were again yesterday, like there's no doubt. And obviously it's not easy having Chelsea and City in the first three games of the season, but we are going to end up with zero points out of the three games. It's a fact. Do you see Arteta, sorry Ben, do you see Arteta still being there after the international break? Because teams do, like Liverpool did it uh, for Rodgers, drew one all over Everton. And then later that evening, he was hoofed out and there was an international mm. break. Teams do pull the plug around this time, like. I've seen different things um, that he has fed games to save his job, you know, a load of no, cash. But, you know, like, we've compared the so-called project and rebuilding at Arsenal to Liverpool's. And I kind of had to think about it earlier and kind of looked into it a wee bit. And, you know, Klopp in his first season got Liverpool to Europa League and League Cup final. Now, Obviously, they lost both, but, you know, two finals in one season. And in his first full season, he got them back into the Champions League. And then they got to the two finals in a row, winning one of them. Then they won the Premier League. You know, that's progression. Obviously, now Arteta's had a season and a half. And we had a very poor season last year, finishing eighth. I don't see how we're going to finish even any higher this year. Um, So, I don't really, I can't see how we are on the same trajectory as what Liverpool were. I think we're nowhere near it. Um, you can see the you know, the difference between Arsenal and Chelsea. There's a massive gap there yesterday. Um, Saka had a good chance in the first half, which he was running down the left, and he got into the box and took a heavy touch, and Aspilicueta cleared it. I think that was down to a bit of rustiness, because normally Saka is quite good in those situations, but listen, we, we weren't good enough. Chelsea deserved to win. You know, did a... Hundred million pound striker basically up front who's in the prime of his career, and he showed that yesterday. You know, he came straight in and he was effective. And uh, you know, we brought an Odegaard this week, which is great, but we need more in midfield, and I think we're going to need a striker up front, which you know maybe could have been solved with bringing in Tommy Abraham. I'm not saying Tommy Abraham would have been the answer, but you know, he's he's better than kind of what we have up there as options at the moment, so. He was very good last night for Roma as well. Yeah, it's, very it's good. funny that, isn't it, that he goes and gets two assists on his debut. But, I mean, like, it's no complaint from me. Like, Chelsea deserved the win. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be another long season for us. Brenton, were you going to jump in there? I was going to ask Johnny, um, I was listening to a few podcasts today, I said that he, last season at, I think it was maybe at the Emirates, um, Arsenal played three at the back to match Chelsea up mm-hmm. and it really worked like obviously uh Arsenal beat Chelsea three times last season I think. Um why when he has Callum Chambers sitting on the bench would he not just have done that again? Like it, it is is he injured or what's the reason for that? No, he, he wasn't injured. Um well not that, that I heard anyway. Like I thought three three at the back was the way he was going to go, because obviously we're missing a lot of players through injury, through COVID, so on and so forth, whatever. And let's be realistic, like we weren't going to go out there yesterday and beat Chelsea with trying to match them up man for man. You know, they're a far better squad than us. Um, and he should have played... It's all, it's all that wing-back issue as well, you know what I mean? Like uh, matching them up. Yeah, I don't understand why... Why? Well, in a way I can understand why Cedric started, but I mean, to bring him in for his first game of the season against Chelsea in a back four was just absolute lunacy to be honest um, I don't see you know what Arteta's game plan is I don't see his style um, I, I think he will get maybe till November 
to see if he can change it around. If he can't, then, you know, I, I still read tonight, apparently Arsenal are considering Conte to come in, but the talk from Conte's camp is that he wants to see Arsenal are definitely going to back him, and apparently the word used was he doesn't want to see them settling for seconds. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't see why us as Arsenal fans, and it has happened, they're just settling for mediocrity, you know, us being pure average, and we shouldn't accept that, you know, we are a massive club, and we're acting like an Everton, or something like that, you know, like a, not not to insult Everton, like, but you know, Arsenal are a bigger club than Everton, and should be acting the way Man City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool, the rest of them are, and they're really, really not, like, nobody's going can't, to feel... Can't that be class? Yeah, he would, I, I would, to be honest, I don't want Arteta to feel. Obviously, I don't. I want to see him succeed as Arsenal. But if not, then I would take Conte. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, no one's going to fear playing us this year. Um, like I and I kind of, to be honest, I don't really expect us to beat any of them top four sides because our squad just, I just don't think it's good enough. Not on current form anyway. Um, so like I don't know if any of the rest of the lads are seen the game yesterday, but you know, yeah. we we are just very poor and. It's it's sad to see because we really we really shouldn't be accepting this shit and people are trying to make excuses and I'm just not having it whatsoever. I just think it's not acceptable. Like for a club like us are just bang average, even with players missing. You know, Chelsea had players missing yesterday. And yet they <laughs> I mean Chelsea could feel too starting elevens, so let's not, you know, get around the bush. They could like. But they still were able to cope because yes, they've invested heavily and They've been doing that over years and adding pieces to the puzzle, which they have done over the last two or three seasons. And it, it showed yesterday, you know, they, they were very comfortable and very good. I watched it and I actually thought, like, the start of the game, the Emirates was bouncing. It, it sounded class. It was it was raucous and it was nice. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was someone splitting the trees. And you think, this could be a cracking game here. And then... And I'm going to use this later because it also it happened Man United as well and their game against Southampton. It was like someone just pulled the plug out of Arsenal after 15 minutes. It was like both, and then Chelsea just just were supreme and took over. And it's it's not ideal, Johnny, when you're playing one of your biggest rivals and as you said they're in second gear, having mm-hmm. the crack. And throwing you know what I mean? bottles of players as well. It's just. Yeah, well, I, I I think overall everything that happened yesterday with the fans in terms of giving Edu and Arteta abuse and whatever, I think they kind of forget what the what supporting Arsenal is all about. You know, the class, the tradition, all out there is kind of out the window. And Steve mentioned it last week, and it's exactly what I thought of today when I seen them videos. Like, I'm not saying it's entirely their fault, but it's all down to Arsenal fan TV. Oh, hundred percent. What they have made fans think it's okay to do what's acceptable yeah. like, they've, they've created this atmosphere about. where you're right John, they've created this thing where, where as you said it's acceptable to just be dickheads mm-hmm. and like de- like the the demands of them as well it's almost like you, I almost love Dark Hatter to get out and fucking punch one of them even if they are kids when it's the car uh, in the video that you showed us earlier and then this, like abuse now do now you couldn't exactly hear what your man was saying but even shouting over at him in front of his wife and kids, like have a bit of you know common sense. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's fan. We saw this weekend. Fans are nuts. And um, we saw last weekend. Fans can be dickheads too. What was going on? But it's and AFTV have played a, a massive part in this. There's a there's a, there's a definitely a visible split in the Arsenal fan base, 
And I don't know if that can be repaired, if that will ever be repaired. It's weird, like, but yeah, it was. It it would be worrying times, as we, we've said enough times, Johnny. Like, um, about Arsenal this season, you just sort of for them want them to get over the this next game on Saturday and then international break, and then come back and then kickstart their season and see if they can go from there. But it was Brenton, Chelsea yesterday, Lukaku making his his, his return, and uh, he did all right. <laughs> Yeah, um, he was very good. He was. I felt sorry for Pablo Mari after a while, to be honest. Um, I didn't. He, to be honest, <laughs> he just uh, he just kept repeating the same thing, um, hoping that it would somehow work. Um, but Lukaku had an easy afternoon, I think. And and Johnny's right. Like I think Chelsea had a relatively easy afternoon as a team. Like they they didn't really once it went two 0 the they kind of stopped trying um, to score more because they, sco- they could have scored more. Um, I think Lukaku had more chances than the whole of the Arsenal team himself. You know, it, it was they they kind of won it at a counter, and that is not what you should be doing um, at an away uh, derby game in London. Like it should not be that easy. Um, and I think the story. Obviously, the story for Chelsea is Lukaku, but the story of that game yesterday is more Arsenal than Chelsea. Like, I think Chelsea will face way tougher tests. Um, one being the, uh, this coming weekend against Liverpool, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, they they didn't have to get out of second second gear, Jetties, right? Like, um, which is you know it was a perfect way to settle Lukaku in. Uh, because traditionally it's obviously a big game and it'll get his confidence up um, for for facing big verge and the boys. Um, but yeah, all positives. I thought Rhys James was excellent as well. Um, he'd had a couple more chances. He could have slid Lukaku in a, a few more times actually. Um, and their Chelsea's backline didn't get overly tested. As Jerry said there, I thought. Um, you know, could have been a penalty, um, which, you know, with the crowd there, I, I agree with you as well. Like, I think the crowd were really, really good at the at the uh, start of the game. Um, and Arsenal, I thought their best period in the game was the first five, ten minutes. Um, but after that, Chelsea kind of got a got a hold of it, got um, got the ball, started playing it around, and then popping into Lukaku. And um, once they started doing that, they could see that it was working, just repeated the trick. Um and it was it was game over from there. I want to bring uh, obviously Steve and Paddy in on this as well. I want all, everyone to come in on this. This is a bit on, on Lukaku because he, he was so impressive. Hey, he has been before you so, go on about Lukaku. Yeah, sorry. Can sorry, I just add ahead. one thing? Yeah. I seen today on Twitter a guy put up since Arsenal last oh, won no. the league, right? Chelsea mm. have won the league five times. They've won so many FA Cups. They've won the Champions League twice. League Cups, you know, whatever, Europa Leagues. I mean, that's only in the, like, the last 15 years or something. You know, how far this club has fallen, the fact that your London rivals, who before then hadn't won the league in, you know, near 50 years, whatever it was, has won the league title five times since we've last won it and won two Champions Leagues. Now, if Arsenal had a Bramovich in, and I'm not saying, I don't, Chelsea got their money, it is what it is. But you can only imagine the difference in the two clubs if the 
the the you know the opposite owners. If they had the Cronkies and we had Abramovich, like I imagine where the clubs would be at. It's just I think it's a bit wild that a club like us has not won the league once since two thousand four. Even you know Man United have won twenty league titles or whatever it is, and Chelsea have won five since we last won it. And Man City have even won like five. Liverpool have got a league title now. You know I don't see how we are going to get anywhere near these clubs again anytime soon. Um, to be quite honest, why we still have these owners in charge and the technical director and current coach, unfortunately, manager, sorry, is, um, we won't be an elite club, um, anytime soon, but anyway, back, back to Lukaku, sorry. You're okay. It's, it's, it's fine. I heard, okay, someone, this is a- I heard someone make a good point today, Johnny, which might annoy you, um, that Whenever Arsenal played Chelsea in the Europa League final in 2019, they're obviously both both played each other in the final. I think there was only two points separated them in the league that year, mm-hmm. and just since then the the paths of the two different clubs could not be more different. I it's think I said not yeah. No, uh, it's, it's true. And, and I've said it, said it before, like last. I think I even said it last week. I cannot just disagree with the majority of things that we talk about regarding Arsenal on this podcast because. They don't give you anything really positive to kind of go off in terms of their performances on the pitch anyway. Brandon mentioned about harder tests lying wait for for Chelsea. Probably training today they're harder tests because they were playing the second team. You know, I'm not not trying to slag. No, no. Like, seriously, like, you know, look at Arsenal's back five, just if you include the keeper in that. It's it's lower lower to mid-table. You know, and I know the player's missing, but I can only imagine how frustrated because I have been, or me and you, Philly, have been JD. We, it's, we, we've said this so many times. There are so many parallels you could draw between 2020, 2021 Arsenal and, and Liverpool about 11 or 12 years ago. It's just complete poisonous and just, you know, bad atmosphere around the club, poor decisions, bad people in charge. Everything going wrong, and uh, like, yeah, it's shit. But the sun comes out, Eddie. The sun will come out. Yeah, it'll come out tomorrow morning about half five, and I'll get up and go to work. So, listen, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll we'll get into it here, JD, and you can start throwing grenades. Uh, so I want all these to come in. This um, Lukaku, obviously, he's made his return. Uh, he scored a goal. He's looking unreal since he since he's went down to Milan. The shackles are off. Um. One for you, Brenton, and I'll see, and then everyone else can get involved in this as well, because this includes you, Steve, and Manchester United, because I don't know if you saw it, Stephen, I think you were sorting out uh, Mighty Miles earlier, but Gary Neville had made a claim on Monday Night Football that United should go and buy Harry Kane, okay? Um, yes. So won't spend 150 million going to get Harry Kane, which is fine, because they need that striker. They had that striker, and he's now playing for Chelsea. And Brenton, I just want your thoughts. Did you ever picture Lukaku coming back? Was it something on your radar? And if this had have been from Chelsea, from United to come back to Chelsea, would you have been as excited? Uh, yes, and then no. Um, I think <laughs> he. Uh, I thought Chelsea were going to get him. When Conte was there, because he was so keen on him, obviously they went and got him an Inter. Um, for that whole summer, it seemed like the writing was on the wall that, that Chelsea were going to get Lukaku. Um, and then obviously United came in and 
fucking stolen the bastards. Um, but yeah, it turns out that he is absolutely in his prime now. It's weird because there's so much, there was so much hype and build up to him and talk about him in the lead up to that game. And he couldn't have looked more calm and assured and mature and, um, like inevitable that he was gonna do what he did. Um, he's so confident now in his ability to, um, to back into people, to turn, to roll them, to lay off, um, to get into the right positions, to score goals. That, you know, that ability that he now has, the different abilities that he has, because, you know, because he he's quick too and he can go in behind, his touch is unreal. Um, it, it just seems like he's, and we've heard about it, like he's obviously really fine tuned that stuff since he's been at Inter and over the past few years. And now, you know, you're seeing it more highlighted, because uh, he's, he's back in the Premier League and, um, you know, it's what we're used to, used to seeing. But, um, if he did, you know, he was, he wasn't this player when he was at United or when he, uh, when he left United. But I think he could have been. Um, it just shows you the difference that a world class manager can make to a player. And, you know, he said in his, in his few interviews that he's done already uh, for Chelsea TV and the like, he, you know, he said that Conte told him exactly what to do and what to improve on. And if you don't do it, you're not getting in my team. There's no way. And I think this is the whole point Steve has been making since he's come on this podcast. Solskjaer doesn't do that and he's never going to do that because he, he's not, he's not a world class manager and he doesn't have that knack. Um, uh, you know, a, uh, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. It was maybe uh, Football Daily yesterday, and he he doesn't improve players so sure. Uh, and you know, you could count on one hand probably the the players that have maybe improved underneath him, but it's probably through their own ability and nothing that he's changed or that he's told them to do or directed them to do. Um, the club are making good signings, I think, better signings than than what they have since Fergie left, but I don't think that's down to him, and I, I don't think he's a good coach, and if United really want to make that next step up, Klopp have Liverpool, uh, City of Pep, Chelsea of Tuchel now, um, even Leicester of Bretton Rodgers, who, who I think is a much better coach than, than Solskjaer is, um, I think United are going to have to cut ties Um and it doesn't look like they're going to do it anytime soon. I think he signed a new deal. But that's the missing piece. Steve, you've saw Lukaku go into Milan uh, blossom and uh, what, what his potential had been shown. Like he, he was unreal at West Brom when he was there for a bit. He was unreal at Everton. Started well at Manchester United, but then not sure what had gone on. What do you make of it? And, and he's sort of looking at it going, like you see tonight, Gary Neville asking why don't we go get Harry Kane and you had Lukaku's turned into this is it not a bit of a sickener? Uh, it is and it isn't because he never he never really did it for United I mean 
42 goals and only one of them came against the top six. He there was he had a bit of a reputation as like a fat track bully when he was at United and like it was kind of earned to be honest. But now I'm delighted he's doing well because I always liked him as a player. Um, and you can definitely see he has changed how not just how he looks but how he plays as well. I think he's a much smarter player than he used to be as well. But I also think coaches are using him in, 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 in much more clever ways, I think, as well. But I think Brendan's preaching to the choir there when he's it so serious. I mean, I've, I've said it so many times about, like, just his limitations as a coach. And, you know, we saw it again this weekend. Um, I that, just, team, that team and that squad team should be winning the league. Or I know, I know the league is stacked like, I mean, this year. I know, I know it is stacked this year, don't get me wrong. But if they fall away, then that's last an year, yeah. that's, like people, last like, year when they probably should have won last year. Shit house. Yeah, yeah. United started badly last year though, as well. Like, to be fair, but they shouldn't have. Do you know what I mean? With that team and that's what I don't think they should have. And I think they're they are better again this year. I think I pointed out on the preview podcast that I felt they were in the fielder in the centre half short, and I haven't seen anything to show me that I'm wrong. Though I think Maguire has been better. Um, I think once Varane comes in beside him, I think that will be shored up. Um, but the midfield is absolutely an issue. Like if everything played like Leeds, United would get three points every game and and win the league with a, a record points and goals for total. The problem is that very very few teams play like Leeds. Um, and teams that play like a compact five or six midfield are always going to get the better United. Um, I thought Fred was was just atrocious. Um. I, I, again, um. I know McTominay is carrying an injury, but I was surprised he didn't start. Like I always say, if you're fit enough to come on, you're fit enough to start. Like, you know, what's the difference between playing the first twenty or twenty or twenty five minutes of a match and playing the last twenty five minutes? Like, I don't understand that at all. Um, and I did think, and Brendan Rodgers actually issued a come and get me plea to to Man United. Uh, I saw, I saw. When he said that he thought that it was a foul on Fernandez in the build-up to the goal as well, and um, I think that's the first that's the that's the opening salvo in Brendan Rodgers' bid to become Manchester United manager. I think. Um, Would you but take I do, him? I, 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 um, yes. Yes, I. But I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know how much of an upgrade it is because I think he has his limitations as well as we've seen with what happened to Leicester in the last two months of the season. Like, I think he gets found out the second time teams play them, if that makes sense. Um, He's getting found out so currently. West Ham are 1-0 up. There you go. Um, but I, I, I'm i I'm on the fence as to how big an improvement. I feel like with the money, that, like they, they did that comparison between Klopp and Solskjaer in their first, you know, whatever it is, 100 games in charge or whatever. And it is eerily similar, like the records. And I think... You know, United fans are are grasping at straws to think like, oh, this like, look, you just have to give them time. Difference is that Oscar United squad was a bit better. Yeah, yeah, to start with as well, and then you know they've spent four hundred million pounds as well. Like, um, <laughs> like there are definite positives. Don't get me wrong, there are definite positives there, and I, I've definitely seen improvements. But what's absolutely missing is that ability to break down the low press, to break down. Tight, compact midfield, like, and Mason Greenwood could potentially turn out to be, 
you know, he's obviously a different body shape to Lukaku, but he is starting to look like a player who can play right down the middle. Um, and he's, I think, I think he's one of the best natural finishers in the league as well, which is a great fucking habit to have. Like, it's, it's Van Nistelrooy-esque, his finishing, I think. He just, when he gets the ball inside the 18-yard box, you expect him to score. I think that's a great trait to have, but it's that midfielder. It's that, it, like, the, don't get me wrong, Fernandez is great. I think Pogba's played really, really well. I thought he was very good again uh, yesterday. Um, but they're just missing something. Uh, and I think even if they bring it in, I don't know if Salzburg is the coach to unlock it. So that's a very long-winded way to say I don't miss Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> and on yesterday, Steve, he now started... Uh, well, they went behind, but they were playing quite well. Pogba again a decent game for United, but it almost looked like the last 20 minutes, that, a bit like Arsenal, someone just pulled the plug on them. It was strange. Yeah, and obviously they rallied towards the end a little bit, but it was quite strange. It's this thing that he, Salskir has about playing in like burst. And I think that's fine when you're controlling the game. They did it against Leeds where they kind of played in 15, 20-minute bursts and then took five, ten minutes off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine when you're winning. I just don't think you can afford to do it when you're losing. Like, you, you kind of have to, like... And I know it's early in the season and no result before October really matters. Yeah. But, like, it's still, you know... I, I thought they were quite impressive in the opening weekend, but like, I think two weeks is enough of a sample size to think it's... It's Liverpool, Chelsea, it's City, it's then United, and then it's everyone else. I think that that's kind of really where it stands um, in the Premier League this season. I don't think we're going to see anyone outside of those four in the top four. Um, and I think it is... It, I, I, I hoped after week one that it wasn't just Leeds. I know I said last week that it, it was probably just because it was Leeds. But... Um, I can't see a winner coming outside of Liverpool or Chelsea, I think, from what I've seen so far. They just look really good defensively and so good going forward. It's going to be really difficult to beat those teams. Paddy, we watched uh, the Liverpool match together and I actually had noted this during my own notes to talk on tonight. That I'm glad you have said it, Steve, so well done, thank you. That someone else has sort of said Liverpool look possibly like they'll be in the mix because I know a lot of pundits and other people hadn't picked them, but they did look, they do, there is a bit of a confidence. There's a swagger back at Anfield, Paddy. Obviously, it's a big Dutch swagger um, in Virgil van Dijk, but there is something different completely compared to last year in Hartfeld. Yeah, it's just great to have defenders. Um, I think you mentioned last week that <laughs> Matt up and van Dijk only played 11 minutes together last season, and they're probably our strongest two centre halves. So you have them. It showed like Van Dyke played a diagonal ball to Harvey Elliott, which which ended up in Mane's goal. And like we missed long balls last season because that's where we, you know, can bypass midfield or beat a press or whatever. And it's such a good a good weapon to have in your arsenal. So yeah, it, we were we were good. Like Burnley had a couple of chances. Don't get me wrong. I think we were probably fortunate enough to come away with a clean sheet, but we easily could have scored four, and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have flattered us, you know. Um, <laughs> so and uh, I thought Harvey Elliott, who we were both drooling over, sort of took a wee bit of time to settle into the game, maybe fifteen minutes. But after that, he just kind of oozed class. He's eighteen years old, like he's gonna be an absolute baller. Um, he just looks like a little superstar already. So obviously, 
he'll get better and he's not going to play every game. He's not going to start every game because there's a few people missing. But, um, yeah, it's all looking really positive. And Trent was absolutely class. Uh, I know Brandon was talking about Reese James earlier on, who, you know, was a real difference maker for Chelsea. And, you know, Reese James is, is incredible. Um, but uh, Trent's p- range of passing is freakish. Like, I... I would honestly say it's as good as KDB or Beckham. I, I I genuinely think he's that good. He's got every kind of pass. He's like he's like fading balls and he's fizzing balls and he's stunning balls. He's he's like he's like Phil Mickelson. He's unbelievable. Sounds um, like you're stunning your own ball talking about him. Oh man, I like his new Herbert too. So maybe we'll have a wee. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he was class. But it was good to watch, like, and it was good to watch a game with you because it's been a long time since we have had the opportunity to watch a Liverpool game together. So, um, it was good. Most of obviously was terrible, but the rest of the lads kind of carried him. Um, <laughs> you're such a dick. Someone <laughs> start the score against Chelsea, by the way. Hey, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, on Trent and obviously Reese James, it, it, two two decent performances by. Uh, the right backs that uh, Gareth Southgate he took one the Euros and he didn't think the other one. Well, I know he got injured, but he, he wasn't sure in the other one either. Um, two very very good performances on Trent. You touched on him there. Um, I don't know if any other lads saw the game. What he was doing on that was, and and it's clearly because he has confidence now in the lads behind him. And Henderson was massive for Liverpool as well at midfield. Um, on Saturday morning, he was drifting in the centre midfield, which he wasn't doing last year. Trent was stuck at right back because he was clearly worried that if I bomb forward here, drop inside, we're goosed behind. And he was so confident drifting into the midfield, almost becoming another midfielder. And he was he was helping to control the game. Uh, he was excellent. If you saw that goal for Manny, which you touched on there, Paddy, that little clip around the corner is brilliant. But he was doing that all game. And he did that against Norwich as well. Tougher test this Saturday evening against Chelsea, don't get me wrong, but... Um, he started the season very, very well. It could turn out to be. Um, I know Joe Cole was saying about him, like we can't leave him and Reese James, I think he said, out of this thing. We have to find a way to get both of them in. Uh, I don't really know what coaching badge Joe's been doing, because like, you, you start with two right-backs in the right-back position, you're in a bit of a trouble there. Like. Um, yeah, I think he was right-back, that was like... What? Trent Alexander Arnold is not a right back though. He's a, he I'm glad someone else thinks naturally a right midfielder. Yeah, he's naturally I think he a right should, midfielder. So. I think he should move into a three in midfield at some point, and we should see that and how he gets on. But you would need cover at right back then. But maybe that's down the line. But he's he's, he's done very well. And likewise, like Luke Shaw was was quite good for United at the time, just there at fullback too. So it seems to be the fullbacks are taking over. Uh, it's like. Football is a fullbacks world now. We're just living in it by the, by the looks of things, the way things are getting on. But yeah, great, great from Liverpool. As I said, the looks and you've touched on the party that there was a confidence there. There was a swagger. Harvey Elliott was very good for only being eighteen in front of a full Anfield. Um, Saturday night will be. I can't wait for it. Um, mm-hmm. So much midfield battle. Um, two really good defenses. Lukaku against Van Dijk. Holy ghost! We've evaded all of COVID football for this to return. And as a full packed Anfield, and it'll be a different Anfield. Anfield, any Liverpool fans that haven't been to Anfield yet, Anfield on Saturday at half eleven is shite. Don't go near it. But Anfield in the evening, completely different atmosphere, completely different place. Yeah, so half five on Saturday night, the place should be rocking, should be a good game. 
uh, and I'm sure we will touch on it uh, next week and what goes on. But we're talking about fullbacks there, and um, we're talking about Trent. We're talking about I've mentioned Shaw, uh, perhaps we're talking about Reese James. So was Paddy, but Liverpool for Brighton at the weekend, lads, it was unreal. Or should I I'm sorry, it was unreal. Another English fullback coming through the ranks. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll pick this one up because obviously he was at Chelsea and uh, Southampton got him an absolute steal. I think it was five million or something they paid for him. Um, he, looked, he looked class. Um, he just gets his head down and, and goes. And it's a really weird style of a run where he he's obviously going fast, but he looks like he's going slow, if that makes sense. Like, He's not like, you know, like a. He doesn't have the build of like somebody who's absolutely rapid, um. But he just kind of chugs along and he seems to build up speed as he goes, um. I think there was a couple of times that he was he was bombed down that side and he was um, you know, he's running uh toe to toe with Pogba and he he was going and I don't know if Pogba pulled up but um he was going faster than him with the ball at his feet. Um, and he was putting in some really dangerous crosses. I think there was one in particular that he, he slid right across the six-yard area, and Armstrong probably should have been there. Um, but, you know, the first couple of games, he's looked super impressive. What a what a saying that could be for Southampton. Um, to, and, you know, he was... People knew it at Chelsea, do you know what I mean? Like, he... There's, there's just not a... There's not a place for him at the minute because of... Um, because the club captain plays on the right hand side, and and Reece James is obviously coming through there. He's only young too, um, but you know he. I think he got academy player of the year last year at Chelsea, yeah. um, coming out of a, an academy like that. You know, he, he was always going to be a success, but how quickly it's happened. I think people are maybe surprised that at the level um, he's playing now and just getting to know his new team. Um, He's been absolutely super. Will Chelsea have a buyback clause for him, Brendan? Is that sort of known, or is that how they're uh, operating these days? It's what they're trying to do. I'm not sure, to be honest, if they have a buyback clause for him. Um, they have started to include it uh, in players that they let go, obviously, Abraham. There might be one for Livermento. There might be. I'd need to double-check that, but it would have made sense, definitely, to do it. Yeah, because Lampley obviously went for very cheap. Um, you yeah. wonder if, if they're sort of... I don't necessarily think that a buy-on clause for him did the... I don't think so, no. Or a buy-back, maybe. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting. There's four teams at the minute. I think West Ham as well. So five teams at the minute in the Premier League that, are, that have all won their first two games. Um, Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. And then Brighton, lads. Two from two, uh, they couldn't score last year, and now they're scoring freely, and they're looking really good. And one of them, one of the players, has impressed. I think everyone's been talking about him. A couple of podcasts I've listened to, and on the radio, they've been talking about him. He's Basuma, and I know Paddy, you're quite the fan. He has been unreal from Southampton from the get go. Oh yeah, well, suppose you and I have been chatting about him for a wee while, like a year or two, because I think we, when it seemed like when Alden was going, he just seemed like a perfect ready-made replacement for. Wayne Alden, um, he's lovely feet, and you can see from the way he instigated uh, Neil Mopez's goal, his high pressing, which obviously is a Liverpool trademark, is is incredible. So 
Yeah, he looks he looks a smashing player and has looked like that for ages. Anytime he plays Liverpool, he stands out a mile. So it's a, it's a wonder none of the big lads are sniffing around or, you know, if there might be a late bid from anyone. Um, United but, as well would make sense, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be perfect. Like, um, obviously, Steve was chatting about how shite Fred was there. Um, he would be absolutely perfect. He could be the difference maker for United. He could potentially, you know, win them a league. Um and he's only twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Room for a lot of growth there. And I think I think Steve and Johnny both Arsenal and United. He would make such a difference in both their midfields. He's, he looks incredible. Like I can't believe, as you said, I can't believe he's still at Brighton. And the window is obviously coming to to yeah. turn end. Like, but he's been yeah unreal. He's been flirting with Arsenal all summer. To be quite honest, you follow him on social media. <laughs> he, he has his kids in Arsenal kits. He has had Arsenal shirts in the background of all his photos. Um, he's made for Pepe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> go buy him and fuck Brighton to start <laughs> and throw that in as well. They'll get no credit off me, the bastards. I'll be supporting <laughs> any team who plays Brighton. <laughs> I'm glad you remember. <laughs> oh, he, br- he brought it up on Saturday. Um, before we move from the Premier League and touch about things across Europe and different things, I think the game of the weekend was possibly at Allen Road, and Allen Road was bouncing. Now it's full of thirty-five thousand wankers, but Allen Road was bouncing, um, and it was an amazing atmosphere. What'd you say? Sorry, what'd you say? You're including the Everton fans in that thirty-five. Oh, of course I am. Um, but it, it was class. It was nice to see it packed again, and, and as I said, rocket rockets, but. What a game that was. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I know he scored a penalty, but he won the penalty cleverly, um, which I love. Bit of shit history. An S United player hit them. Um, but I just want to touch on Calvert-Lewin. He isn't being mentioned when people are asking for the bigger teams, no respect to Everton, for getting a number nine. And he just seems to be ticking away there at Everton and no one seems to be going near him. And I just wondered, like, Steve, would you have him at Man United? Uh, Johnny, would you have him at Arsenal? And even Paddy, like I know we have a number nine for me, but take away the Everton aside, would you have him or a player very, very like him with his skill set at Liverpool? I suppose, Steve, you want to come in there first? No, I wouldn't have him. He's too similar to Greenwood, and I think Greenwood is a better player. Um, younger. Um, yeah, no, it's, and you're playing the, the England International tax as well, so no, not for England, me. England, VAT. What about you, Johnny? Nah, I'd tag him. He couldn't be any worse than what we have, to be honest. <laughs> I think he'd be I'd more take anyone. Player, Please, honest. anyone. I, I'd, take, um, <laughs> I'd take even myself up front. And I'm not a striker. <laughs> You're a tennis professional. Uh, <laughs> Paddy, what about you? Would you have him at the Reds? Absolutely, I love Calvert-Lewin, I think he's class I think he, outside of Cristiano Ronaldo I think he's got the greatest leap in football I think he's unbelievable in the air And he's getting better bringing people in Into in play and stuff That's actually a very exciting front line I think Everton have Damari Gred at, at one and a half million Is going to be an absolute smashing signing That is basically got a player for nothing um, And even for Charleston one side And Calvert-Lewin I think they could very, very Good looking forward line, but yes, I would definitely take Calvert in at Liverpool. I think he would fit his in. Contract isn't up till, yeah. His contract it's isn't up till twenty twenty five as well, so you pay a lot of money for him. 
I just think it's so strange. Uh, yeah, that contract. I just think it's so strange that he hasn't been mentioned at all. Like he's just been ticking away as if people have forgotten how good he actually is. He's shown last year how good he is. Um, and just and the talk about Kane and and different things. Obviously, Lukaku went for big money. Uh, and other strikers, and like we've got the Haaland chat, we've got Mbappe, whatever, and all this here, and then you're just looking. Well, there's a player there at Everton that would do like do an unreal job. I don't know why people want to go, but maybe maybe in the last couple of days, and we know something might happen, or next year we might see a move if Everton don't get European football. But that Leeds Everton game was brilliant. A cracking goal by Rafinha to the levels, absolutely smashed. Into the far corner, and um, so oh, it was nice for him to do that when I took him out of my fantasy team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice for him to do it when he's in May. <laughs> um, so Alan Road is going to look unreal this year, and I'm actually excited for it, even though I hate everyone at it, um, <laughs> or when fans are at it and teams are there. Going hard, well, I just can't. I just can't have. It. I thought they were grand when they came up, and I do love Marcelo Bielsa, but then I was just like, no, I, I actually remember I hate these, um, so. Before we move on from English football, as I said, start of the show, some, some sad news obviously came out this weekend where two, two legends of the game, Tim McDermott and Dennis Law, have announced that they're battling dementia and it, it, it's, it's getting, weird isn't the right word now, but it, it's happening all the time now where it's, football's in a strange out place with head injuries, like even tonight there in the SC Milan game. The centre half, not um, Simon Kerr, the other one, and not not Tamori. He, or it's actually the midfielder, sorry. He blocked a a thunder bastard of a shot with the top of his head, and he clearly goosed as soon as it smashes him on the top of the head. Like he falls over in such a way that he actually folds over himself, and he's still standing here in pitch. Like I've seen a few people point. chat about that this weekend over. A couple of different games about. Uh, I think it was um, it was the Burnley game as well. Somebody said about Tarkovsky went down with a head injury. Yep. They checked him over for like two minutes, and he was back on again. Yeah. Um, and we seen with David Luiz. Was it last season? David Luiz got absolutely clotted right in the dome um, with Raúl Jiménez. That's when Jiménez got that real bad injury, and David Luiz was pissed in blood. He went off for five minutes and was back on again. Then basically. Played for a couple of minutes and you could just see he wasn't right. Um, definitely needs to be looked into. I think it's a bit of a disgrace and a joke that players, you know, health and well-being are not being really fully considered in these situations. What What do you think they should like? For instance, that one tonight, he was he was smashed. Now he might he might be fine. I'm not a medical expert, but he he clearly like. His his body was shook, like his eyes rolled as it smashed him on the top of the head, and he went down. He folded over, and he was groggy. Do you think football should bring in like a ten minute replacement type sub for these type scenarios, where someone can come in and you're properly assessed? Like rugby gets such a hard time for it, even though we know they're trying. Like Steve, American football, obviously, uh, with everything that's going on there. What 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 would you think we should bring in, or should you bring somebody? What what do you think you should do? It needs to be an independent adjudicator uh, that's in the crowd, that a spotter basically that goes okay and sends a message down to the referee, and that player is just taken off. And there's no second guessing it. It's if you're wrong, you're wrong, fine. But it's better to be wrong about a concussion in a game now than to be 
to miss it and that player to end up with dementia in his fifties or sixties, like um and I know it's, it's it's like technology has changed, but the velocity at which players are are heading the ball uh, now compared to before, even though the ball is lighter, the impact speed is causing like as much damage uh, as the weight of football and stuff like that. And it's when you were talking about Brighton and, you know, people were saying about Shane Duffy, you know, like, you know, obviously he scored a wonderful header at the weekend and stuff like that. And But that if an asteroid was heading towards Earth, Shane Duffy would leap and clear it. Like, <laughs> and that's that's great. Like, it, 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 it's like, like, don't get me wrong, it's one of the defining characteristics of his style of play, but you can't help but watch, you know, a ball drop 40 feet down, him headed 30 feet clear and think what's that doing to his brain like he just can't help but think it and it's 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 an it's it's one to watch because you can see it already like in some of the younger leagues they're starting to to coach it that you don't play the ball above shoulder height and things like that um and i love having like i think you know one of the best parts of ronaldo's game was how like you know paddy mentioned it earlier about the leap he has like it's fantastic to watch a brilliantly executed header but at the same time, like it's the risk benefit, like, and it, it's really hard to see where where it goes going forward. But just desperately sad about about the two lads, and 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 I don't think it's the last of it by any means. I think we're probably in the next ten, fifteen years here about footballers we grew up watching. Yeah. Um. As as well, and that's going to be what I suppose maybe when it really drives it home for a lot of people. That's. I was just about to say that it's going to be. And I would never name someone because that's horrible, but it's going to be someone from our era. And then we're going to be like, balls. Do you know what I mean? Even someone our age. Like, when yeah. we get this right now, we're going to be like, fuck. Like, how is, what's going on here? It is just so weird. It's, it's, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's upsetting, like, and it's sad, like, because a couple of Liverpool players now, a couple of Manchester United players that have come out on other ones, like, and it's just very, very sad, and very, very sad for those families like to have to go through this. And they, these fellas were doing something they loved. You know, they're playing football at the highest level for years, and now football is unfortunately this is what's happened off the back of it. So I do, I, I feel strong with this. I do think something needs to be done. And a spotter is it's a brilliant idea. Maybe they are brought off and they're assessed properly, and then decided if they can come back on again. Because I think that's probably how you would swing it with the clubs. Because you can't, you can uh, imagine yeah. someone throwing their head up if a superstar has to come off. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say, sorry, Brenton? I was just going to say, uh, I don't think you can consider taking heading away from the game. Like, um, <laughs> it's just as Steve said, like it's such an integral part of the game, and uh, you know, it's it's a real skill, you know, defending or attacking, and I. I'm not going to come up with the answer here. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but obviously something needs to be done. Um, whether they do completely, you know, limited in training, um, uh, whether they, they just approach the game differently. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't happen as often. I don't know. Like, that's, even saying that, it sounds like it, it wouldn't work. Like, but, um, there's brighter people involved than me and, uh, you know, if, if it is as Jerry says, definitely the 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 head clashes and the concussion uh, thing is a is a straightforward one. Like take them off uh, and don't take the risk ever. Uh, 
that's just that's just common sense, I think. And Steve's right, like when it's when it's a club doctor um coming on and the player saying, I'm alright here, you know, like I, I can definitely play on and the manager's going Please tell me he's all right. Please, you don't don't you be the one to give me the bad news. And the doctor goes, yeah. yeah, I suppose he's all right then. You know, if it's your star player and you know you're you're one nil down in the last ten minutes, like you don't want to be taking him off. You know what I mean? Like they they need somebody who's not emotionally involved just to go, lads, he's hurt. It could cause potential damage. Get him off, and nobody's arguing with me. Um, so. That, I think that's a straightforward one. I think the the obviously heading the ball. Uh, I think there has been a couple of studies done, like, and it, it's obviously not good for your long term uh, health. So uh, it definitely is something that needs fully researched and um, some sort of solution to come up with. What do you make of Paddy? Yeah, I think he's all make really good points. I think I think it's really important. I think a few of you have touched on it. Players need to be taken off to be assessed. Like if they're assessed on the pitch in front of people with fifty thousand eyes on them, maybe forty forty eight thousand of them are their home fans who don't want them to come off and they feel this kind of external pressure to, you know, you know, play on, be hard, all those kind of things. Whereas in you know the likes of uh, rugby, American football, they, they go off and get assessed uh, in private, which I think it would definitely be a start. Um, and obviously, well, it's already kind of been a feature, but those kind of concussion subs are will be really important as well. Um, regarding the dementia stuff, yes, you know, it, there's going to be. This is probably just the tip of the iceberg, and there are going to be a lot more. Um, I suppose if you're looking at the other side of side of things. Some of these people might have got dementia anyway. You know, like it's not exclusive to footballers. Yes, it'll increase your risk. But the likes of the one Terry McDermott has, you know, probably didn't really play an impact in that on the type of dementia he's been diagnosed with. But um, I do think, I do think, you know, the suggestion of heading less in training is probably a really good idea. Um, of you know, ten sort of headers in training, and whenever you're getting taught to head, it should be with a foam ball. Or something like that. Um, it'd be very hard to take it away from the game. Um, you know, like if if American footballers are still playing playing American football, I don't think we're going to take away heading. But uh, yeah, but what yeah. they've done is they've reduced the, they've reduced the impacts in practice. So in training, they've only a certain number of padded trainings a year, and the rest is non-contact. So that's what they do: is they know they can't take it out of the game. But what they do is they teach you the technique in a, like a standing or a stopped way. And like you said, you, the equivalent is a foam ball in football. Or there's an Irish guy, I think he's from, I can't remember where he's from. He invented a device that basically helps you train for heading. (laughs) Probably, probably cork, yeah. The the ball is probably made of cork, you know? Um, but, he and I, I, I interviewed him a few years ago, um, and like he, he came from that background where like he, in way before anyone else, he was flagging problems with concussion in football, or he thought he thought was potential problems. And this was a training device that would not take heading out of the game, but would actually teach, would take it out of training and teach you different way, teach you the right techniques, but reducing the actual impact. Um, and I think that's probably 
the way to go. Like we need to be innovative with solutions because uh, you know, as as you've all kind of said, we can't lose heading from football. Like, do you know what I mean? Like one of my favorite arguments is, is to ever have is how overrated Robin Van Persie's header is in that in the World Cup. Do you know the diving header? Like, but if we took that out of the sport, we wouldn't have that conversation. You know. Um. So do you think that was overrated? I'd hate to. Oh, it's it, like it, what, it was nominated for a push cast, and I could have scored it. Like, um, <laughs> no, honestly, like I'd, I'd say it to anyone: are you 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 bang like twenty of those crosses in the qu- the quality of that cross? I would say I'd be disappointed if I didn't score fourteen times. With <laughs> oh my god! When we actually meet as a babble for the first time, this is all we're doing now. We're going to get Brenton or someone to ping crosses into the box, and I want to see Steve recreate this diving header 14 times. <laughs> I agree, Steve. Overrated. Uh, of course, yeah, overrated. Yeah. You would. <laughs> um, okay, well, the discussion, we almost we almost hung in there for a serious chat, but then obviously Steve ruined it at the end, which is, which is why we're all here in the battle. And with that was a good chat there on what needs to happen. And hopefully the football authorities, although don't really have much faith in them, like, will do something about it and get something sorted because it is terribly sad and it's heartbreaking Like when someone announces this is going on because dementia is a horrible, horrible disease. Um, we are going to talk now about what happens sort of across bits and pieces across Europe. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Serie A with Tammy Abrahams. And we're also going to start with... Um, Nice and Marseille, because there was an absolute uh, <laughs> uh, slobber knocker of an incident that happened uh, last night. I'm sure everyone has seen it now. Um, we're in an incident, um, but also there was some James uh, coming out of it too. Uh, as I said in our WhatsApp group, my favourite part was the Marseille fullback absolutely hoofing the football into the crowd. I just wish somebody had a shot in the crowd to see if it took anyone out. But yeah, the incident, Nice and Marseille were... Nice fans threw bottles on the pitch and actually uh, clobbered Dimitri Payet on the back. Um, Paddy, it's, <sighs> everyone has had a laugh and a joke about it, but it's it's not great scenes to become out of France last night. No, like and like no footballer should be should feel in danger when they're going to take a corner. Like you know, it should be you should feel safe and protected and. You know, I know there's rivalry and maybe they'll, people will shout a few things or make a few obscene gestures or whatever, but when it extends to throwing things, it's not good. And, I, you know, the guy, you know, Payet throwing it back and the guy who kicked the ball in, I know people will say, oh, they shouldn't have done it, it's not professional. If someone's lumping shit at you and you're totally exposed, you know, it takes a lot of restraint not to probably do something like that. Uh, like, I remember Carter doing it famously at Highbury um, when t- people were throwing coins at him, like, and... Yeah, like probably deserved it. <laughs> it's probably you. You know, um, yeah, like I can understand why, 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 uh, why they sort of retaliate in that way, like. But yeah, it wasn't great, and there was a bit of a melee, obviously, and then, yeah, great to have the fans back, isn't it, lads? <laughs> I think as well. This is this was um, Marseille's second away game this year, and that's the second time that's happened. Where fans have. Chuck bottles and chuck stuff at their players. Um, Take it something to do with uh, Payet's hair. <laughs> I mean, that would be an okay excuse, I suppose, because it is horrendous. Um, but he took an awful smack to the back with a, bottle, a good bottle of Coke, too. Bastards wasting Coca Cola. 
um, to the back. Um, he took it well, like he got up and he bounced straight back up. But it was, yeah, it, it was, it was obviously everyone was bouncing on the Twitter then to see what happened. But one of the worrying things for me would be not just the well, the main worrying thing for me, sorry, but it was just just how easily the fans got onto the pitch. Yeah. That like, and I know, like, obviously, if you look at even Anfield, Anfield, you're right, you're close, and it can happen. I mean, it could happen, but you never feel like they're going to just bounce up and bounce on the pitch. Where it was just so easy for these fans to get down off the stands and straight on. Malice at the Palace, Phil. I just watched it, and then we had that. Like, so it was, it was um, very apt. But it just. Mm. It just, what did you make of of the like? What did you, Steve, make of the reaction of the, of the Marseille players as well? Like, would you have done the same thing? Start retaliating back? Oh, <laughs> 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 like that. Like the most concerning thing was how Payet struggled to pick up the fucking bottle. Like, I mean, it took him four attempts to pick it up. Like that would like you needed to get that up first time and straight back at the head of the the person closest to you, whether they threw it or not. Um. No, I mean, obviously, we don't want to see, like, I, I, you know, I, you can't, throwing a pig's head at someone, taking a corner is one thing, throwing coins or bottles at them is, 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 is quite another. So, it, it's not great to see, and like, you know, is it, is this really that much of a punishment to, to make them play behind closed doors now, because they've been doing that for the last year and a half, like, so they're, they're well used to it, it's not like, like, it's a huge disadvantage anymore, but, yeah, you'd you'd want you'd want the league to or league on to to you know stamp down heavily on it and make sure it, something like that doesn't happen again. But the the biggest thing was how easy the fans found it. Like Jesus, you go to a you go to a game, a league game here, and you wouldn't get near a pitch that easily, you know. I think as well, like um, the could possibly a few. Marseille staff could potentially be in a bit of bother, especially uh, Sam Pauli's, I think it was assistant manager, just <laughs> rope punched uh, a nice fan. <laughs> that was next why? <laughs> I, I know, I know we, we don't, <laughs> we, we don't uh, condone violence on here, but I mean, I've watched that about a thousand times and it still is brilliant for me. It's just, your man, ha- your man's on giving it uh, stacks. Has no idea this tiny little pit bull figure is, is charging in towards him, <laughs> and then just sort of punches him right on the Adam's apple, and that's it. Bush nine eight, and it's the back pedal as well. It's, it's so quick, he bounces back out of the road. Um, but yeah, there'll be big, uh, probably punishments coming down Nice and Marseille's way uh, when league league on get themselves sorted. I think that at one point they'd given the result to Nice. Uh, a three 0 home win to Nice. I mean, if that's the crack, then just start riding at every match, and you get th- you'll win the league. You get a three 0 home win. I mean, that's just daft, but uh, we'll see how that gets sorted. But uh, other news across Europe um, was Tammy Abraham's made his Roma debut and looked really, really impressive up front for them. Like, wonder if he this could be his type of. Gets away from the Premier League, the pressure of the Premier League, moves to Serie A like Lukaku, Don Monson at the same level, obviously, but, and garnishes himself a career out there, like. Yeah, um, I thought he was very impressive. What? Sorry? Sorry? I was going to say that there's, there's one person standing in the way of that, and we all know it's Jose Mourinho. <laughs> for absolutely no reason whatsoever, 
about three or four games into his reign, pick on Tammy Abraham for, for absolutely nothing, and then decide that he's a shit player, and then sit him on the bench for the rest of the season. So, Well, he had a choice. Play for Mourinho or play for Arteta. You know, not great options. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you can uh, look at Mourinho and know the damage he has done like be there to witness it firsthand and still choose him over Arsenal, like um, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, tell, well, tell the story. Like to be fair, I don't think he did choose him over Arsenal because he did wait till the last damn second to join Roma because he was waiting to go to Arsenal, <laughs> and we just can't fork out forty snoop or whatever it was just he asked for. Oh, gets worse. Yeah, it. Um, I I would have been. Concerned about him going to Arsenal because I think he would have worked there, um, but I don't know if they could if they just couldn't agree a fee or maybe Arsenal didn't want to. Um, it was all agree down to, to Laka set going. If they could ship one of the strikers out, like I said, or Linkedia, then they would have made a move for him. But they can't ship him, so yeah, we're stuck with him. Um, so on Tuesday, just made an absolute howler there for Leicester as well. It's two 0 West Ham. Oh, good, Lovely. he's a nice team. Um. Antonio sat it up. Yeah. Then Rama. Oh, here I have oh, Casper yeah. Schmeichel and Golo. Yeah. Um, before we finish I up... I just played we, my wild card while we were talking, by the way. We'll try and maybe touch on fancy at the very, very end, but one of our last segments is, um, isn't Donny Murphy a dickhead? Told <laughs> you yes. that long ago. But like... It, like Stephen, you're an, you're you're an, you're an offensive coordinator, and you know everything. You know about special plays and set pieces and different things that got there. Oh, I thought you actually meant that he was offensive to people. Well, oh, that, he, that he, is he, also he, true. That, that would have been, been very good if you. That's the way you're he, working. He is also true. Yeah. Um, like, how, I don't do not understand how he thinks it's a bad it's a bad idea for the and he views himself the top clubs to hire in. These are the successful clubs to hire in set piece coaches that improves their game. I I am I struggle to get my head around how this is a bad idea. Well, it's the fact he did it while analysing Aston Villa scoring two goals from set pieces. <laughs> yes. um, like, I don't understand. Like, if whatever about like if you were doing it from the failings of a, a set piece coach, I think set piece coaches, I think throw in coaches, I think goal kick coaches, it makes absolute sense. Like yep. it makes absolute sense. Like most coaches are former players, so they are like they might be midfielders, they might be strikers. Of course, their coaching is going to be biased towards the position that they were best at. Like so, you bring in as much help as you can get. Like it's why United need a defense coach and need a set piece coach. You can actually see with United, it's not just ping the corners to Harry Maguire anymore. They're work, they've got three different types of corners now, which is a huge improvement. I'm not sure where they had one type of corner. So, three like, different types of corners. <laughs> I know, they've, they've all the corners. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you had an actual full-time set-piece coach, you probably have 40 types of corners. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think it, it, when you consider how good some football punditry and analysis is, and then you remember that that Danny Mills exists. It's just fucking wild. It's like and I, Danny Murphy and Danny Murphy and Danny um, Murphy. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I agree right. on both. both yes, yeah, totally. Two decades. 
like what like Steve's uh, United are the example too as well because they brought in a set piece coach, um, set piece specialist. I think did they did he come from Chelsea? Um, in this uh, year that that yes. is that has helped and as you're right they, they do look like they have more options now rather than just fired into the fellow with a big forehead um, for their, their attacking <laughs> set pieces anyway and I think it's such a brilliant idea like when Liverpool brought in this throwing coach that fucking asshole that lives out in Qatar or where do you live Dubai now wherever he lives Qatar maybe um, the ex-Everton striker Andy used to be in Sky is it Andy Gray Andy Gray, Andy Gray. He, he couldn't believe it he laughed and joked of course everyone went on to win the the Champions League and uh, the league, and obviously the throw-ins played some parts in some of the goals they scored and some of the set pieces. But Chirandi, don't worry about it. Um, right, it's it's like this, like it's like a football snobbery type thing where not it's it's four four two, it's ball up in the air, the big man, small man up front. Don't worry about all these tactics and nonsense. Don't try and be innovative. It's so daft, like I, I, and especially as you said, Steve Danny Murphy doing it while. Whilst showing two brilliantly well worked set piece goals, I was just like, <laughs> I can't believe they've let him do this. Um, but what do you make of it? Do you think it's 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 an interesting concept football are going down, like Paddy and Steve and Johnny to to bring in set piece coaches and to work on it and the the sort of marginal gains, I suppose. Well, yeah, of course. Like the game's completely different now to what it was even ten years ago or fifteen, twenty years ago. You know, it, it needs to evolve, and it is. So yes, of course it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense for ex friggin' players to always be pundits because they really haven't an absolute ball either. <laughs> Danny Murphy, a, um, e. I mean, some of the some of the opinions out there are wild. You actually just wonder where these guys have pulled this absolute bullshit from. Um, it's like Danny Murphy's just went on to match of the day when he's on and just. Spouted out whatever came to his wee tiny brain at that period of time. <laughs> like, and Jermaine Genius, on my stage, talking about how he didn't agree with Klopp's comments about, um, Burnley, Burnley was saying, if you want to, he said, if you want to go watch wrestling and watch WWE instead of Burnley, but I mean, Burnley would do well in the Royal Rumble. But if you look back at the clips, like, Jada was hoofed to the ground by Good Munson. Uh, for no reason, Joel Maddock, lovely Joel Maddock, minds his own business, is just DDT'd almost to the ground by Barnes. And I have no, like, don't get me wrong, that's, that's fine. If that's your tactics, you have to try and get an edge, go for it. But to say that, oh, just let them, let them free and they're not doing anything. And then to criticise Klopp for highlighting it, it's just, I was like, at least lads, like, what was going on here? Um, I was saying, it was like, Matt's a day had, like, they went to go and get something out of M&S. And they ended up going to like the local cost cutter and buying like shitty, shitty, shitty <laughs> materials. And they got in Jermaine Genius and and Danny Murphy. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have had get Gideon Wright and Mike Richardson together so we can have a laugh. At least do you know what I mean. So we can at least yeah. enjoy their company on the TV show. But um, I yeah. think that point though about like ex players, like just because you played something does not mean you're no. qualified to talk about it. Like well, I think we're all better qualified. Like, let us host match today. Oh, I'm definitely not, but, like, the rest of these are, yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, it's it's something that needs, like, they need called out more on pundits, and then, of course, um, some of the journalists as well obviously go to the top team. I'm not saying they're all brilliant, but, uh, yeah, I do get that. There are some of them are really, really hard to watch and listen to, and almost would ruin a show for you. My t- tip is either record match today or 
watch it on iPlayer and leave it, let it run for 15, 20 minutes, then you can skip through all their nonsense. That's, that's my advice would be for shows like that. But um, is there anything else you lads want to touch on before we sort of round up the show and briefly touch on fantasy? I wanted to mention Man City being shit <laughs> yes. at, uh, at being a football club. Um, take take the mic, Paddy, and off you go, sir. I'll keep it brief, but um, so what are they announced today that they're unveiling statues to David Silva, Vincent Company, and Sergio Aguero. Now, call me a statue purist, and I know there's a few dotted around Highbury, Johnny, so you, you can maybe you can try and defend that too. But like, at least the ones around Highbury, they're not playing anymore. Like these companies, fucking thirty-five. David Silva's playing for Sociedad. Aguero's playing for Barcelona, and they're gonna have like real life bronze statues outside the ground. Like, wait until they're older. <laughs> like, it just seems. I just think it seems ridiculous. And I know they're important players in their history, but having a statue when you're in your fucking thirties, like, wise up. You're not Napoleon. I think David Silva was massively overrated. Cesc Fabregas was far better than David Silva. Completely agree. Like when you consider that outside Old Trafford there are Busby, Ferguson, Law, Best, and Charlton. <laughs> it's a fucking company. Like it's just. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking interesting. Those are proper statues outside Old Trafford. Liverpool just have Bill Shankly. That's the only statue, isn't it, Phil? And Paisley yeah. has some gates. We have one yeah. statue, and like I don't know, Arsenal. You have a you have a squad of them, don't you, Johnny? We've Herbert Chapman, Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, and Tony Adams. Like, they're mm-hmm. four legends. Like, David Silva and Sergio, like, Sergio Gross scored that goal, don't get me wrong. Uh, and he and he was great, but, like, <laughs> to have a statue for David Silva, and then, the, then to mention Dennis Bergkamp, to mention George Best, Dennis Law, and Ferguson, uh, and even Bill Shankly, <laughs> and in the same thing, you're just like, uh, what? Like, it's as if some fucking YouTube wanker has picked who to put a statue of, do you know what I mean? It's just, I I, I saw this earlier and I thought it was a joke, um, but it's clearly not. Like, they're, but they're trying to squeeze in, like, hundreds of well, years count- of history into, like, a decade. Do you think they'll count those statues as their part of their attendance when they uh, show their attendance <laughs> to matches and it's not right? I'm well, sure they named a, a training pitch after Yaya Touré. It's in their documentary. That was the Nickel Free Birthday. I'm sure they have fucking 93 minutes and whatever seconds on the back of their shirts this season for the Aguero goal. Alright, basically. Fuck me. Do they? Yeah. 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 Oh my god, I hate that football club so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said it. Like that is what they're like. Absolutely. Then someone needs to build a statue of like, like a a treasure chest or something, you know, like with fake gold in it, and just plump it outside. And this is what this is why you're here, more on faces, or like their bank their bank statement from the sheiks. Did you ever see Phil Foden's birthday cake? You were just chatting about that there. It's like got uh, like fifty pound icing, fifty pound notes on it, Gucci Gucci um, symbols, Louis Vuitton symbols, all this kind of garbage. Yes. Oh. I'm going to bed angry now because this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually started to feel a bit better as the podcast has went on. Good, good. That's actually maybe not here. Here, Tommy. 
Yes. Just to just to bring you back down, um, what about the Amazon documentary? It's going to be a race crack. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they've actually started filming yet. You're such a bastard, Brent. I think I think <laughs> they are going to announce it on their socials whenever they start doing it. I, I don't I actually. Oh, right. don't think do you think they took the Do you think they took the name All or Nothing too literally? Well, <laughs> I think when the fixture list was announced, they were probably like. You know what? We'll just leave the first few weeks, lads. Is that right? You know what? Actually, we're going to finish off here, and I'm going to feel sad because we're going to talk about fantasy football. And... No, I was just looking at your team. There. <laughs> <laughs> I made I made nine subs there. <laughs> the wild card has been played, and you've still got the lowest points. <laughs> uh, I haven't even broke the hundred mark yet. Fuck me. <laughs> I have had a, I have had an Arsenal start to the season. Actually, that's a lie because I've got points. Fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, yeah, how how did you get on this week then, Fancy Paddy? How how have you got on? You, you're doing quite well, I think. Yeah, quite a good week. Um, I had I was very fortunate in that I had a very high scoring defence. So I had Trent, Simakas, and James who had twelve, eighteen, and eleven points respectively. So. That was a solid platform. So I'm currently sitting on 78 points and I have an automatic sub who will come in who is Anderson who got a clean sheet for Palace. So I'll probably finish on 82, 83 points, something like that, which is very... You can't Mo Salah. Thought you hate Mo Salah. I, he's in as a joke. It's just ironic. That's Cap. (laughs) 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 Get a stop. That's what I say. Um... Brandon, how did you get on? Your bench was good. Yes, Paddy didn't play bench boost, like. <clears throat> um, but I had Duffy and Simicass on the bench, yeah, and Basuma actually, just to round things off. Um, so at 11, 14, and 8 points just sitting on the bench, which is great. Um, well, one of them will go on, though, because you had Chalaba. So oh, Johnny. Thanks, John. Um, <laughs> for making me feel better. Uh, yeah, but um, not too bad. Like sitting, uh, I had a better week than last week. Uh, sitting in round mid table, just, just, uh, just sticking in there, just enough to keep boys, keep boys on their toes. Like, um, I think in in our uh, draft, though, I had a better week. Steve, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Benarama has kind of. I'm not sure if I have him on my draft team, but um. Uh, Benarama has rescued my my normal team this week with eleven points tonight. Um, but yeah, now I've had a a bit of a, a shit show in our draft league where Brendan has quite comfortably won that um that game week. But yeah, no, I played my wild card for uh, for week three um just to make sure that I stay ahead of Johnny uh, and his best. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. I mean, it's a long oh, stage. Did I fucking mention it? But I, 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 in our in our draft league, I left the port on the bench with his fourteen points, so that was that was fun. So, <laughs> well, I got less points this week than I did last week. So, <laughs> I mean, I got forty points last week, and I got thirty-one this week. I can't believe that, Johnny. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to feel so Steve doesn't have to get the Lurgan tattoo on his arse. Uh, thanks a million. Um, Leicester just I, scored, by the way. Oh, nice. I am. Um, I think I'm going to come in around 60-odd points, 64, 65 points this week. It's not a solid enough week. Um, what I might have to change, because I think 
I need, I need a slight Maximon's not doing it, so I might have to hoof him out and get someone in there. And it, it could be Dominic Calvert Lewin uh, for the weekend. I, I think he's got a favourite team name in our league. Yes. <laughs> there, there's some of them are wild. I'm just looking at it now. Neymar <laughs> features a little bit on a few of them that have been mentioned. I think that was- that was to do with the timing of the podcast that we recorded. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely um, was the timing of the podcast. There's also uh, Beaver Town. That's yeah. Amy Cagle. I quite like Beaver Town. Oh, of course you did. Um, <laughs> and there's a Greenish's Calves. That's interesting. It seems to be a, a real popular one, Greenish's Calves. Uh, they are. They are magnificent. Um, but they're, they're yeah, the yeah, Na- Neymar's has changed now. There was well, Neymar's month off is obviously our, our Stevens. Uh, naturally, um, hanging but, by Fred. Yeah, I think that was highlight that deserves deserves a match. Yeah, yeah, hanging by Fred is still yeah. Finn's Harps is good. I like Finn's Harps. Uh, thank you. Um, and zonal zonal marketing is quite good. But yeah, it's that's, a slightly that's, dated that's reference. Sorry, Rizzo. Rizzo's winning. Exactly. I don't want Rizzo to give a fuck. He's winning. <laughs> yeah, so we need to stop him from winning. And there's also a uh, Hong Aminson. That's I enjoyed that. That's Hong Sun Min by Carl our Spurs fan. Um, so some of them are really good. If you can change them up, if you want to, folks, then change them up and give us a giggle. I, whereas he, uh, the butcher Connor Breen that that one that, that he had uh, during the week that that really tickled me rightly in work now. Um, I couldn't believe it when I saw it, and I'm not going to repeat it because we'll get closed down. Um, but yes, uh, um, you you can say it if you want, Jonathan. Ram's ready, so you know. <laughs> What Neymar Hoops' sister? <laughs> Neymar Hoops' sister? He does like <laughs> the best. The best thing about that team name is he obviously couldn't fit in all the words, so he just went for Neymar Hoops' <laughs> sister. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh the Google uh, Translate version of his, his team name. Potty, uh, Potty's bottom of the, um, the draft league. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <wagger>. <laughs> um, I think that'll do us for the 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 Monday podcast anyway, gents. Um, it's been a bumper one this week because so much has gone on, and long may it continue. Um, we'll be back, obviously. Myself and Johnny will be back on Thursday night. Uh, what's the podcast? We also have a special guest podcast potentially coming up in the next week or two. Myself and Johnny are working on. None of the lads know about it either, so it's going to be a surprise for them. But um, as always, get all your oh questions in. If you've, if you've any questions for Thursday night or even this show, get your questions into us on on our socials or on our on our pages, uh, socials, the Football Babble Pod. Just get us on Twitter and Instagram. Brent, what's the Patreon link as well? Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Boom. And as I say, all, get your podcast, our podcast, on all your podcast apps. Just look for the Football Babble and you'll find us there. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for getting involved in Fantasy League as well. We really appreciate it. And we'll speak to you again during the week. Good luck. Okay.